Hey there, future fans, and welcome to episode 64 of Future Flicks with Billiam. This late episode comes with some news. I have started my new job, and with that comes new hours. So unfortunately, I have to find a whole new schedule to release the show. I've been doing the show for over a year now, but that entire time I had the same schedule. I almost always worked 2.15 to 10.30. Every once in a while, it'd be a little earlier, and I had the same days off. So I was able to have a great schedule until now. So we'll see how long it takes me to get into the swing of this new schedule. But late or not, I am still releasing an episode this week, so we have 11 new releases and the usual news and trailers. What movie made it as my pick? You may be able to guess. But what do I think about the other movies? Are they worth watching? Listen and find out. It's the week of October 27th, 2017, and this is episode 64 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Well, welcome to the show, everyone, and happy Halloween. You may have noticed that I didn't do a Halloween special this year, but that's because I really ran out of time. Too much stuff happening all at the same time, but SomewhatNerdy.com is doing a nerd talk for the Halloween season, so be sure to keep an eye open for that. But at the end of the episode, before I do the question of the week, I am going to talk about a couple movies that I'm going to watch this year and a couple of my favorites, and then that will bring us into the question of the week where I asked about your favorite or your go-to Halloween movie. So if you are a return listener, welcome back. Thank you for tuning in each and every week. And if you're one of the people who have recently added a five-star review to iTunes, thank you. Some of you just gave five stars, didn't leave a comment. That's fine. I appreciate the stars. And to those who did comment, thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. And it blows my mind still that people listen to me every week while I talk about every movie coming out, even the small ones that no one really watches. And if you're new, you may be wondering what it is I do on this show. So on Future Flicks, I go over every movie that's being released during the week. I tell you what it's about, who's in it, and my thoughts on it. I will give the movie a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. This score is only based on the trailer and anything I've read about the movie. But let's start this episode with some housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. You can reach me on Twitter at BilliamSWN, Instagram at BilliamSWN, and email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. So let's jump into our first segment, which as always, is the news. According to some website called FlickeryMyth.com, Arnold Schwarzenegger says that Twins 2, aka Triplets, will begin shooting next year. Eddie Murphy will be the third brother, and Josh Gad and Ryan Murphy are writing the script. 
Ivan Reitman is reported to be extremely happy with what he's seen so far, and that's good news to me because I trust Ivan Reitman. I have been given no reason to not trust him. Let's move on. According to CBR.com, Shazam is set for an April 2019 release date. This came from the lips of director David F. Sandberg, who directed Annabelle Creation and Lights Out. And a story I missed from earlier this month, I apologize for that, so many of you may know this already, Solo, a Star Wars story directed by Ron Howard, has finished filming. We'll see how long post-production takes, especially with all of the CG. Good news for Rob Zombie fans, according to Bloody Disgusting, a Devil's Reject sequel is on the way. Yay, I guess? A sequel to a mediocre movie that doesn't need a sequel. To me, I don't care about this news because I'm I'm not a real big fan of Rob Zombie. Other people I know and some people on the network are, so they might like it. And Devil's Rejects may have been a critically panned movie of his, but it does have quite a cult following, so that should make some people quite happy. And in sad news that doesn't involve some beloved celebrity passing away, EW is reporting that the Shaun of the Dead sequel rumors are not true. This according to Simon Pegg himself. And I'm actually glad, because I think it was a fantastic movie and it deserves to be left alone. Do I think they could do a sequel and make it good? I do think they could. I believe in them. But why risk it? Hollywood Reporter writes that 47 Meters Down, the sequel to it at least, has been nabbed by Brian Allen's Entertainment Studios. Or Byron, not Brian, Byron Allen's Entertainment Studios. The planned sequel is called 48 Meters Down. So this is apparently because 47 Meters Down was the highest grossing independent movie of the year, well, thus far. We do have two more months left in the year, but still, this movie is the highest grossing one and we're already in October, or finishing up October, so that's pretty damn good. While it only made $53 million globally, for an indie film, that is really good. If you, like me, saw the movie, you may be scratching your head wondering, why are they making a sequel? I liked 47 Meters Down. I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was really well done and just cheesy enough without being over-the-top cheesy a la Sharknado. And the last story that jumped out to me in this week's news cycle comes from Collider. Vin Diesel posted a video on his Facebook page announcing updates for the next two Fast and the Furious movies. This is good news for fans of the series, as the last time I reported on this franchise, there was turmoil behind the scenes because of the spinoff that Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham are getting. But now it has been reported that Justin Lin will return as a director. He's the one that turned really changed the direction the franchise was going with Tokyo Drift, and is really responsible for the way the franchise went into the over-the-top goofy action movie. Not only is Justin Lin returning, but so is Jordana Brewster, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Because we're going to get Jordana Brewster back, but we're not going to get Paul Walker. So how will they justify having Mia back, but not have Brian? And I swear to God, they better not kill Brian in the series. I mean, even though Paul Walker passed away a few years ago, they need to keep Brian alive. They need to keep him alive as an homage, as an homage to the amazing man Paul Walker was, whether or not you liked him as an actor. But if you are a fan of the Fast and the Furious series, I want to know what you think. I mean, if you're not a fan of the series, you can always tell me what you think, but it's probably going to go along the lines of you don't care, you think the series is stupid or something like that. And I'm more interested to see what the people who like the series think. So hit me up. And with that, my friends, let's jump into the trailer trove. 
A movie called Journey's End has a trailer. This is a World War I movie starring Asa Butterfield, Paul Bettany, Sam Claflin, and Toby Jones. If you don't recognize the names of the last two people, then you will recognize this. Sam Claflin was in Hunger Games Mockingjay and a few of the other movies where he played Finnick, and he was also in Me Before You played Will Trainer. Toby Jones has been in the Captain America series in the first two movies as Dr. Arnim Zola. Anyway, this is a drama set during a war we don't really see a lot in modern movies. This is also going to be a really sad movie, unless I've read the trailer completely wrong, which I don't think I did. I think this is going to be a tearjerker. This comes out in the UK in February, but doesn't have a US release date set yet. Though I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't the following month, so March. The Netflix original movie, Bright, has a new trailer. This is the movie with Will Smith and Joel Edgerton about Nick, the first orc cop, and his partner, Daryl. Daryl isn't very happy with this, and the two stumble upon a magic wand, an instrument that could potentially kill millions, if not billions, and must risk their lives to keep it out of the wrong hands. This looks really good. This is an urban fantasy. There are humans, elves, I'm assuming dwarves are gonna be somewhere in there. There's orcs, there's magic, but it all takes place in our modern world. So urban fantasy, kind of like the Drudson Files, but just setting-wise. It looks pretty good. It hits theaters in December and will probably hit Netflix a month or two after, so January or February. We also have a first trailer for Winchester, The House That Ghosts Built. This is a bio-horror starring Helen Mirren as Sarah Winchester, who had the world-famous Winchester Mystery House built. Jason Clark plays a man sent to prove that she's gone mad so the Winchester Repeating Arms Company can be taken out of her control. Problem is, she may not be mad after all, as there are ghosts around. I can't wait. I really can't. This was filmed in the Winchester Mystery House, one of the first times ever that filming took place in there. That, of course, wasn't commissioned by the Winchester Mystery House itself. The house is a place I love to visit. I go a few times a year. They have midnight flashlight tours and candle tours. I always take those. I've been during the day a couple times because it's really a different experience during the day. If you haven't been there, I highly recommend it. Go to San Jose and visit it. And if you do, drop me a line, tweet me, and I may join you if I have free time. And the final trailer that jumped out at me this week is another Netflix movie. This one is called Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, with a very special contractually obligated mention of Tony Clifton. Yes, from that was the whole title. This is a documentary about the making of the movie Man on the Moon and how Jim Carrey went batshit crazy how he became Andy Kaufman and it's one of those method acting scenarios where Jim Carrey claims that he wasn't there during the filming of this it was Andy Kaufman he's quoted as saying in the trailer when we were finished filming I don't know who I was anymore or something along those lines and I can't imagine getting that into a character like I've acted I used to act a lot in my early college years late high school years and there were some roles I really got into but nothing like that at all. And I understand method acting, like James Dean once slept in the gutter, I think, for weeks. Not, well, maybe not the literal gutter, but you know, slept on the street for weeks getting ready for a role. And on the set of Home Alone, Joe Pesci refused to talk to or even smile at Macaulay Culkin because he, you know, he had to be this evil criminal who's mad at the kid. Those things I can understand, but going so f***ing batshit crazy that you're even acting like your character after the director says cut, I can't understand that. But hopefully the movie will help me. Maybe the movie will help me. Well, that is it for the trailers this week. Let's jump into the first break. 
So stay tuned for a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's jump right into the movies this week with a movie called God's Own Country. Johnny Saxby numbs himself through binge drinking and casual sex. That is, until the arrival of a migrant worker on the farm he works at, and the two begin an intense relationship. This stars Gemma Jones from Bridget Jones's Diary, and Ian Hart from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Alright, welcome to England's answer to Brokeback Mountain. It only took them 12 years, but they made a movie that's basically their own version of it. Though this one doesn't look as horribly depressing as Brokeback Mountain did. And if you haven't guessed from that comparison, they're gay. Yes, one man works on a farm and the farm hires a migrant worker and the two start working together and they fall in love. And while there are a bunch of positive things I can say about this movie, that the cinematography is beautiful. I mean, it's shot in the UK, which as long as you stay the f away from London, it's beautiful. So just like Brokeback Mountain, this movie takes place in a very beautiful setting. It is showcased very well. The acting looks good. And there's, like I said, a lot going for this film, but there's also a lot that feels formulaic. When you have a story like this, when you want to try and tell a story like this, you have to show us why it's different. There's probably a bunch of ways that this movie differs from Brokeback Mountain, but the thing is, in the trailer, it doesn't showcase that. The only thing I gathered from the trailer is that the main character is related to the owners of the farm. This takes place in the UK instead of America, and it doesn't have this impending sense of doom about it that even when I watched Brokeback Mountain in theaters, I felt the entire time. There was no way in hell that movie was going to end well. With this movie, on the poster, if you're looking at the poster, there's a bunch of five and four star reviews that this is an unmissable movie. I highly doubt that. You know why I highly doubt that? Because I, and I bet a lot of you, my dear friends, are going to miss this movie. Because while it does show promise, this could be a good movie, it doesn't look good enough to put any effort into watching because the trailer shows us a movie that is too close to one a lot of us have probably already seen before. And unless that type of movie is really your jam, unless you go, yeah, I want to watch a downer movie about two gay guys trying to love each other and hide their love from a society that may not understand them. If that's your jam, then yeah, sure, watch this. But for the rest of us, this is entirely skippable. And I really hope that eventually indie film companies start to realize that they have to do more in these trailers to entice people they wouldn't normally get. If you show us, if at least if you show me how this movie is going to be different from ones that came before it, then I might be willing to see it more. If I see it, I may recommend it. And of course, I don't just mean me. For every me that that happens to, there's probably going to be a whole bunch of other people that word will spread and the movie will get just a little more bump and then it will start to grow. Then it will get the mind-blowing 45 million or whatever it was that 47 meters down got. But wrapping this up and keeping it basic, God's Own Country looks okay, but it doesn't look that great. God's Own Country gets a 4.5 out of 11. 
And my friends, this train of mediocrity is going to change course. Is it going to go up or is it going to go down? We'll see. The next movie on the list is called Let There Be Light. An atheist goes through a near-death experience while he's legally dead for four minutes. He sees his dead son and has a change of heart about God. This stars and was directed by Kevin Sorbo from the Hercules TV show. And it also stars and was written by Sam Sorbo, his wife. So to any of you who listen to the show, you'll already know that the train of mediocrity has taken a nosedive. Because you all know that as a Christian, these types of movies piss me off. Because they're just, they're basic. This movie is a basic bitch. You know the whole story. That You know it. That's it. You, you don't need to watch the movie now. We have this atheist. He became an atheist when his son died. Or maybe he was atheist the whole time, but now he became more outspoken after his son died. Then he has this near-death experience. And he's like, oh, I saw my dead son. Of course, that means God is real. Now let me start preaching the word of God. So not only is this insipid plot silly, but it's been done so many times before that the only people who are going to see this, the only people who would give a sh**, the only people who will go out of their way to watch this movie are the hardcore evangelical Christians who eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff. For me, I love me some God, but you know what? I kind of want to see a different movie this week. You know, maybe something good. Until someone can show me the passage of the Bible where Moses comes down and says, hey, okay, here's an extra commandment I found. And by the way, guys, movies are going to be invented later. Don't worry about that. That's for later. Only watch Christian movies if you're a Christian. Okay, until then, until that happens, these movies are almost always going to get shit upon by me. I think there was once or twice where I totally didn't destroy a movie like this i think one was the good catholic that danny glover about a catholic priest struggling with faith that that one actually looked pretty good this one looks like complete garbage and i'm sad because i loved the show hercules it was cheesy it was ridiculous but it was part of my childhood and i'm glad to see kevin sorbo still working i'm just sad that he's doing movies like this let there be light gets a zero out of 11 not even hercules himself could squeeze a point out of me Alright folks, let's get a little upward momentum going on the show this week with a movie called The Heyday of the Insensitive Bastards. This is a series of short films based on short stories by author Robert Boswell. This stars James Franco from 127 Hours, Kate Mara from 127 Hours and The Martian, Kristen Wiig from The Martian and Bridesmaids, Natalie Portman from Black Swan, Rico Rodriguez from Modern Family, Matthew Modine from Full Metal Jacket, Amber Tamblyn also from 127 Hours, Tony Cox from Bad Santa, late night host Jimmy Kimmel, Jim Patrick from True Blood, and Keir Gilchrist from It's Kind of a Funny Story. And if you listen to the show a lot, maybe you're a little surprised that I said Upward Movement and then mentioned this film. Because normally when a film has such a stupid premise on IMDb, usually there's something stupid about the movie itself. It's a series of short movies, if you didn't guess it by this being based on works of short fiction, series of movies with where these actors pair off and there's some sort of story going on. One of them is two sisters, one's a hopeless drunk and the other's trying to help her sister. Or there's another story about a woman talking to her ex and she has a kid that kind of looks like the ex and she's saying oh no I, I just slept with someone who kind of looks like you it's not your kid and then some other stories where some fool gets knocked out and these two kids throw him in a pool even though he's unconscious and guess what the guy dies and the kid's like oh i didn't think you'd die he, the guy was unconscious because you knocked him upside the head do you think he's going to swim to the top i'm not going to go through every story that they mentioned in the trailer and it seems like i'm giving this movie a lot of shit, and i am I did say the next movie, or this movie, is going to be a step up from the last one, 
But remember, the last one got a zero. And the heyday of the insensitive bastards looks like it, it's right in the middle between could be good, could be utter crap, nowhere in between. So this has a lot of good actors in it, but the stories seem very basic, like really basic. And I would understand more if this was an older book. Like, I've criticized movies before for being stale. And sometimes those movies were based off old literature. And I've always said, while that's fine for the old book, for a movie in our day and age, we've seen the stories before. But here's the problem with this one. It doesn't have the excuse of an old book. This book was written in 2010, so we have these stories that we've heard a million times before that were written in 2010. And you know what? These stories could be different. There could be something that sets it apart, but guess what? This trailer looks like it was done by a middle schooler for his final project. If you want to know what I mean, look at the trailer and skip to about a minute 26, minute 27, somewhere around there, and you'll see when they start showing all the actors in it, there's this lens flare transition effect that would give J.J. Abrams a huge boner. And it was used for each and every transition. It's like, come on. It's like Homer Simpson in Star Swipe. There are other transitions, you dumb sh**. I know I say this a lot, but this could be the case of a bad trailer. But guess what? This could also be bad writing. This is based off a book of short stories about real American experiences or real life experiences or some shit like that, where a bunch of fans of literature are jerking themselves off in the review section for this on Amazon going, oh, it's a great book. Oh, life is pain. Oh, there's no happiness. Oh. So maybe the creator of this film or the producer, director, or whoever the f is to blame picked a pretentious book to make a movie about. So we have three options. Either the last one, they just chose a really bad book to make a movie about, and even if it has good acting, it's not going to be great. Or it's going to be a good movie and just has a bad trailer. Or the final option, it's just going to be no matter what they do. So while this does look a lot better than Let There Be Light, a lot better, it still doesn't look that great. At best, this has good performances from good actors in it that are wasted on a shitty movie. The heyday of the insensitive bastards it's a three out of 11. All right. You know, I would love to say that the next movie moves up even more from this one, but it's, it's really a bad week for movies. It really is. So I'm not even going to pretend anymore. And I'm sorry for leading you astray, but let me lead you into the next movie. And you know, the quicker we get through these, the quicker we'll get to the better looking movies. So let's just get through this next movie called Novitate. And I'm probably pronouncing it wrong and I don't give a shit. During the era of Vatican II, a young woman in training to become a nun struggles with issues of faith, the changing church, and sexuality. The stars Margaret Qualley from The Nice Guys and Diana Agron from Glee. And oh my god, another one of these movies. You know what? Don't see this movie. Just don't. I'm tired. I'm tired and I can't think of what else to say about this movie. It's boring and shitty. It's not offering us anything new. True, we don't see a lot of movies about the Vatican II, which no, isn't the bigger, better sequel to the Vatican. No, it's the second Vatican Council that Pope John Paul? No, it wasn't Paul yet. Pope John Ringo? No, okay, that was, that was a terrible joke. I'm sorry, low-hanging fruit. But we don't get a lot of movies about that time in the Catholic Church's history. To be honest, we don't get a lot of movies about the Catholic Church. But even then, this movie doesn't feel fresh. It's so stale in this idea of a nun questioning her faith, which, sure, I bet that happens in real life. I bet it's happened a million times before, and it's going to keep happening. But it's such a sad trope in this day and age that give us something new. The fact that the reason she's questioning her faith 
is the Second Vatican Council helps this movie just a little, just a scotch. But not a lot. The fact of the matter is this is not an interesting story and it looks so purposely artsy that thinking of some of the campy scenes make me cringe. And these aren't scenes that are campy that are trying to be campy. These are scenes that are trying to be moving and powerful but just come off as ingenuine. This nun in training crying and flinging herself to the bed. A bunch of nuns in training dancing around a fire screaming, I love all of you. Should I be feeling these feelings I'm feeling? Am I sinning right now? No, actually what you're doing right now is making a shitty movie. And this should not be watched by anyone. Everyone should skip it. The end. Novitate. Or whatever the f*** it's called. It's a 1 out of 11. We have three movies left before the break. And I'm going to try to get through them quickly. So the next movie is called The Square. And I'm going to give two synopsises. One is what I picked up from the trailer. The other is the weird sh** that IMDb has listed. Let's start with IMDb. <clears throat> This is a poignant satirical drama reflecting our times about the sense of community, moral courage, and the affluent person's need for egocentricity in an increasingly uncertain world. What the sh**? Okay, here's mine. This is a movie about how f***ing weird the modern art world is while still trying to be artistic itself. This stars Elizabeth Moss from The Handmaid's Tale and Dominic West from 300. Okay, so what an artsy bullshit synopsis, right? I mean, if the film's creators jerk themselves off anymore, there'd be semen stains on the tickets when people bought them. Or if people bought them. But I also liked parts of the trailer. I like the fact that this is a satire about the world of modern art, but it also feels like it's too self-aware and it's doing so, so much as to make itself a love letter to modern art. Like some of the works of art they have in the museum in this movie, it's like when they show it, they go, oh, look how ridiculous that is. People call that art, but then they really expect us, the viewer, to view it as art. One of the pieces was piles of shredded paper in the middle of a room. Another one was this guy going around shirtless with some arm extension things acting like a chimpanzee. Another is a square of light in the middle of a courtyard. And that's it. And if you've ever taken a modern art history class in your life, you'll know how weird it is. Just look up any work by Damien Hirst. And let's even go farther back to Dadaism when that was still a thing. And that's something I know I've mentioned before. I know I've mentioned on the show before Dadaism and Marcel Duchamp. And I bring it up this time, not just because of the topic, but because there's this line in the movie where the curator is being interviewed by Elizabeth Moss. And he's saying, we want to push the boundaries of what art is. So if I take your purse and put it in the middle of the room, is it art? And to which she can't answer. But that already has an answer. No, it's not art unless someone signs it. That's it. Look up a piece called The Fountain by Marcel Duchamp. It's just a urinal that he put down and signed. Art. Of course, there's a lot of reasons he did that. And I could go deeper into this, but this is a podcast about movies. So let's talk about this as a movie. It doesn't look that great. I like the actors in it. Some of the pieces they have in the film look funny, but it's so tongue in cheek that the tongue is wrapping itself all the way around and resting again right back in the middle where it belongs. So they're saying, oh, ho, ho, look at us be satirical about the art world. But this is really art. That's the joke. For me, I love art. I love going to art museums. I love discussing art. But even then, this movie looks like crap. It looks like it's trying way too hard, and it's trying so hard that it loses its satirical edge. Elizabeth Moss is really big right now, and even she can't save this. The Square. It's a 4 out of 11. And from here on out, my future friends, the movies 
look better, and they honestly look better this time. Let's start with a comedy called Crash Pad. A young man thinks he's found love with an older woman, but soon learns that she's married and is using their fling as revenge against her neglectful husband. This stars Domino Gleason from Ex Machina, Christina Applegate from Anchorman, Thomas Hayden Church from Sideways, and Nina Dobrev from The Perks of Being a Wallflower. So this one looks funny. This doesn't look like the type of comedy to watch in the theaters. This looks like the type of comedy you watch later and say, yes, I did like that. But no, I did not miss anything by not watching it in the theaters. So I just rewatched the trailer and what I didn't mention in the premise, or what actually IMDb didn't mention in the premise, is that after the reveal, after Domino Gleason finds out that Christina Applegate was sleeping with him for revenge, then the husband confronts him and then moves in with him and they have some sort of relationship that's a weird mix between Due Date and The Hangover. And this is Due Date, the Robert Downey Jr. Zach Galifianakis comedy. And those are two movies I liked. They're not great, but I like them and I do rewatch them. So this combination seems like it works. This is going to be your typical over-the-top comedy with a lot of debauchery of all sorts, drinking, drugs, sex, swearing, all of the good stuff. And in this one, you have Thomas Hayden Church playing the outgoing, let's go get f***ed up sort of person. And we have Domino Gleason trying to play the straight man, trying to, that is, with Christina Applegate playing the real straight man because she is the one who can't believe how these two are acting. So unless this movie comes out of nowhere, like totally out of left field and surprises me, this is going to be kind of predictable, where we're probably going to have Christina Applegate and Thomas Hayden Church get back together in the end. Either that or they'll stay separated, but on better terms, hinting for a good future. And we'll have Domino Gleason find his person. Maybe it's Nina Dobrev. Maybe it's not. But he will find a hint at love himself. And there's nothing wrong with movies like this. They're fun. They're funny. They make you laugh. You get to see acts of drunken shenanigans that you maybe have never experienced yourself. Hopefully you've never experienced yourself. I hope you've never had to chug a beer out of a hobo's shoe. But if you've always wanted to, now is your time to live vicariously through these two near-do-wells. And if you want to watch a funny movie later on, so if you want to put one on your to-be-watch list, put this one on it. If you want to see a movie in theaters this week, don't see this one. So it looks good, but not great. Crash Pad gets a 6 out of 11. All right, future friends, it is that last movie before the break. So let's jump right into it. That movie is called All I See Is You. A blind woman regains her sight, but soon after, the relationship with her husband changes as she discovers disturbing details about themselves. This stars Blake Lively from The Shallows, Jason Clark from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and Yvonne Strahovski from Chuck. So have you ever wondered if the movie with Val Kilmer at first sight was dark, what would it be like? Well, now we know! So basically, in this movie, Blake Lively plays this blind woman. I, I don't know if she's been blind from birth or not. But she's blind now, and she goes in for an optical surgery, which gives her sight back, and slowly she regains her full sight back, because it starts with one eye with bad vision, and then eventually ends up with both eyes with good vision. And in the trailer, you see her start going out more, maybe not always with her husband, maybe with some friends, partying. She mentions she feels like a different person. He mentions that she seems like a different person. She wears slutty dresses and dances with guys who aren't her husband, which, you know, that could be fine. You could have a healthy relationship where your partner dances with someone else, but in this movie, that is obviously not okay. So she's acting out and... We're to assume it's because she's never got to live like this before, because she's always had to rely on her husband, and she's been blind, so she couldn't see stuff. 
she couldn't enjoy a lot of things, and now she can. So as she gets more and more outgoing, she goes further and further away from her husband, and he doesn't exactly try to catch up. He just goes the other way. And you can see that they become unhappy. So this trailer had a really dark tone to it, and I'm wondering why it's dark. And also, the way the premise was worded, she discovers disturbing details about themselves. Like what? That they're just not meant to be because once she gets her sight back, she realizes she just loved him because he helped her out? And you know what? Let's make this fair. Maybe he loved her because he got to be useful and she needed him. Maybe that's the disturbing detail. Or maybe it's darker than that. It's hard to tell. What I do know is that the trailer had a choir of children singing a song that sounded like it was done in a big theater, so it echoed and made it sound even creepier. So children singing is creepy enough as it is. You add this echoey effect, and it gets even creepier. You add more children, it gets even creepier than that! But this film looks fine. I mean, it, it looks okay. Nothing about it seems really bad. Nothing about it seems I would hate it. But nothing tells me that this is going to be good. Nothing tells me that I'm going to really enjoy this. This feels like a skippable movie through and through, even if it has two really good actors in it. Actually, three. Three really good actors in it. All I See Is You gets a 4 out of 11. And with that, my future friends, it is time for the final break. And if you noticed, this time I only had the somewhat nerdy radio trailer in the first half and didn't have the promo for Nerds of the Squared Circle. That's because I, I realized that 4 promos is a lot and I really apologize for that. So I'm going to start doing three and just start switching out the extra ones. Sometimes it'll be Watch Your Mouth, sometimes it'll be Uncork Gamers. Or maybe I'll ask the Uncork Gamers to record me a shorter promo. Dan, a shorter promo? And, and maybe a scripted one? Maybe? But that's besides the point. Here we go into our last break of the show and then we'll get into the final movies, the question of the week, and a little talk about Halloween. Stay tuned. Nerds of Square Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that, f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. And welcome back. Do you like being happy? Well, too bad, because the rest of the movies are not happy ones. Of course, it is All Hallows' Eve coming up, and not exactly the perfect time for happy movies. Sure, we have some classics, 
But for the most part, this holiday is the time for scary movies. But this next movie isn't scary. It's just sad. The next movie is called Thank You For Your Service. A group of U.S. soldiers returning from Iraq struggle to integrate back into family and civilian life while living with the memory of a war that threatens to destroy them long after they've left the battlefield. This stars Miles Teller from War Dogs and Haley Bennett from The Magnificent Seven. And here's where I find myself really torn, because you know how I feel about movies that we've seen before. We've seen a lot of movies about soldiers returning from war and having a hard time adapting, because guess what? They went through hell. And they went through this world where every day was as hell, where they wake up, guess what? I'm in a battlefield. I could die at any time. And they had to learn to cope with that. And then they come back to this country, or whatever country they're from, and that that feeling is gone. And also sometimes they're not wonderfully welcomed back with open arms, especially if the war was not a popular one. See Vietnam and Iraq, for examples. So not only are they coming home to an unfamiliar situation, but they're also getting the cold shoulder from people who used to thank them. Like this became such a big deal that if you remember, there's that campaign to use sign language to soldiers saying, basically, are you too scared to actually talk to the soldier? Are you too embarrassed to thank them in public? Then just do use the sign language for thank you. But let's get back to why I'm torn. I'm torn because this is a, I hate to say the word when dealing with our armed forces and those who serve, but it's a stale idea. But I think this is a very important message. I think we have to really hit home what it's like for these people. I cannot even pretend to understand what it's like. One of my friends from elementary school and middle school went to Iraq and Afghanistan, and every year, the 4th of July is like the worst holiday for him because all the explosions going on sends him into a PTSD episode. So this is something America is aware of. We do acknowledge that our soldiers have a hard time readjusting to life. But when it comes time to do something about it, that's when things change. I mean, soldiers can get their benefits and stuff f***ed with, and when voting time comes around, there's rarely anything about it. We always have both sides of the political field saying, hey, we need to treat our soldiers better, and then they never do anything. So that's why I'm torn, because this is a stale, as a movie, just a movie, this is a stale idea that we've seen before. But this is always a topic, always a message I think we need to put out there just to help raise awareness and go, hey, this is still going on. But unfortunately, I have to talk about this as a movie. And I have to look at it as just a movie for my score. As a movie, this looks really dark. It looks so dark that I am surprised that Jake Gyllenhaal is not in it because it looks right up his alley. Miles Teller is a great actor. If you haven't seen Whiplash, if you haven't seen War Dogs, War Dogs was the comedy, mind you, but dark comedy, but still, he was good in it. If you haven't seen those movies, check them out. Haley Bennett, she's good. I am not well versed in her movies. I've only seen a couple, but from what I've seen, I liked her. We have good actors giving heart-wrenching performances that hit really close to home. And again, no matter how I feel about the topic, we still have to look at this and ask, do we want to see this movie? If you want to see a heavy movie with some really good acting in it, that looks well-written and addresses a very topical situation, then maybe this movie is for you. Maybe you should see this. 
Should you see it in theaters? No, I don't think so, because it the big screen is not going to add anything to this. This is going to be the same movie whether you see it on the big screen or your TV at home. But if any of those things I said don't apply to you, if you aren't interested in this at all, then guess what? Don't see it. This isn't The Hurt Locker, which I think should be watched by everyone. This is a movie that looks good, but also skippable. Thank you for your service. Gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up on the list is a movie called Keep Watching. A family becomes imprisoned in their own home by intruders who force them to play a life-and-death game, where the mysterious rules become clear as the night unfolds. They must kill or be killed. This stars Bella Thorne from The Duff, and I think this guy's name is pronounced Ian Grafford? I-O-A-N-G-R-A-F-F-U-D. I don't even want to bother googling it, it's a dumb name. And Chandler Riggs from The Walking Dead. So welcome to the love child between quarantine and the strangers. Yes, this is a found footage movie where these people come home and find that uh, things are a little wrong. And slowly it dawns on them that they're being watched. And then that's when the killer or killers, I don't know if it's one or two, starts to take action and leave them clues and takes one of them out and then slowly comes after them. And of course the adult gets killed, leaving only the young people alive. Of course there's ample amounts of cleavage, because why can't we look at tits and a scary movie, right? I'm gonna keep this one short because you're either a fan of found footage horror movies or just an overall fan of horror movies, so you're gonna watch this, or you don't really care, and thus you're skipping it. Hell, even if you're just meh about it, even if you are on the fence, you're, you're probably gonna skip it. If you're anywhere near the fence, you're gonna skip this movie. Because what this is, is a good movie to watch later. So, like I said about a couple movies this year, you should put this on next year's Halloween marathon list, just so you can get some fresh blood into your movie time. This is an idea we've seen before. Maybe not executed exactly like this, but we've seen this idea before. But there's no better time to treat yourself to movies that you wouldn't normally watch than the holidays, because you can use the theme as the reason you're watching it. This movie is basically a found footage version of The Strangers. On any other day, you may skip this, but for a Halloween movie marathon, which you all should have, maybe you'll watch it. But whatever you do, do not watch it in theaters, because yes, there is a better movie coming out to watch this Halloween if you are going to go out for a movie. Keep watching. It's a 5.5 out of 11. And before we get to the obvious pick of the week, we have one more film. And I'm actually surprised it's not my pick of the week, and you'll see why in a bit. The next movie is called Suburbicon. A home invasion rattles a quiet family town. A man gets his house broken into and his wife is murdered, leaving him with his young son. It turns out the man owes money to the mob. The man watches as this affects his everyday life, but he doesn't take it sitting down. This stars Matt Damon from The Martian, Julianne Moore from The Lost World, Jurassic Park, and Oscar Isaac from Star Wars, The Force Awakens. And yes, that's why I'm surprised it's not my pick, because it's Matt f***ing Damon, one of my favorite actors, if not my actual favorite actor. I don't know, because it always bounces between Ewan McGregor and Matt Damon. Anyone who listens to the show regularly knows I have a huge man crush on both of them. But this is a dark crime comedy directed by George Clooney and written by the Coen brothers. Normally, this would be my kind of movie. I would be all over this. It has actors I love, it's directed by someone who directs good movies, and it's written by two really reliable writers. Joel and Ethan Coen have written some really good movies. They've done Fargo, The Big Lebowski, True Grit, 
Bridge of Spies, A Serious Man, Hail Caesar, and The Lady Killers, and other movies that weren't widely enjoyed, but were still good. But here's the thing. This movie has everything going for it. It should be my pick of the week, even though it's not Halloween-themed. It should be that good that it bypasses the need for a themed movie, but it doesn't. Because there's something about this, something about the way it's presented, something about the story. I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it it's just not calling to me. I will definitely see this because I kind of have to see it. With my love for the Coen brothers, with my love for the actors and George Clooney, I have to see this. But as for my pick, I have to do what I would rather see in theaters. And that's going to be the next movie. Suburbicon looks like a really dark comedy, and it looks like one of those movies that really relies on silence. Silence to drive a joke home, silence to prove a point, silence to show a character's emotions, and it looks like a very slow-paced movie. And while that's not always a bad thing, there's not enough else that I'm really looking forward to about it to bump it up to the top of my list. The fact is this looks well shot, it looks well acted, it looks well written, it looks like it hits all the right notes but still misses somewhere. It's like that saying, you can do nothing wrong but still lose, and I think that's what this movie does. I'll still watch it, and I'll tell you, after I watch it, I will let you know what I think of it. I will let you know if it really was a miss or if I read it wrong. As for now, this is not my pick, and I don't suggest you see this in theaters, unless you really want to see a movie and don't like the look of the next film. Suburbicon gets a 6.5 out of 11. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the pick of the week, and you all know what it is. The next and final movie on the list this week is called Jigsaw. Bodies are turning up around the city, each having met a uniquely gruesome demise. As the investigation proceeds, evidence points to one suspect, John Kramer, the man known as Jigsaw, who has been dead for 10 years. This stars Tobin Bell from Saw, Callum Keith Rennie from The Man on High Castle, and Laura Vandervoot from Smallville. And this is why you should never name a movie anything The Final Chapter. Because if it's big enough to have a lot of movies and enough that it needs to be stated that it's The Final Chapter, then guess what? It probably made enough money or did enough that they're going to want to bring it back somewhere in Hollywood. And so it finally happened with the most famous torture porn movie series in history. And I like the Saw series. For a long time, I was super against them. I thought it was stupid. I didn't want to watch it. And then my friends invited me to go see Saw 4, I think. 4 or 5. One of the two. And I thought, okay, sure, I'll go see it. So I watched the first three or four, whichever, you know, depending on what movie I saw in theaters. And I really liked it. Because I noticed that there's more than just the torture. There was a story. A small one, but there was a story. And then even in the later ones, when they started to merge together, that got really interesting. Because when one ended, the other began. Like, right away. Sometimes even before the movie ended, the next one begins. And it all gets wrapped up in a nice little bow. At least we thought. But now the series is back, and it looks like more of the same and that's okay because the only people that are going to go see this movie are fans of the series there are a lot of fans too and the movie creators whoever it is whether the writer producer or, or whoever decided this realized that they didn't really have to do anything new they just had to up the ante as far as the deaths go and just provide more of the same and then they also had to keep us guessing is jigsaw still alive and you know what the answer is no I don't think he's still alive, but I think there's someone, I think 
There's a copycat out there. Maybe Carrie Elwes' character passed on his knowledge and someone else took it over. Whatever it is, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see how they do this. And I'll be really disappointed if they do it poorly. But this isn't a movie I have to talk a lot about because you already know if you're going to go see it. And there's not much I can say to persuade you or dissuade you, depending on how I feel. Just because you already know if you are a fan of this series. And even if you're not a fan of the series and you're like, oh, maybe I should watch it. Don't. This is a terrible place to start. Go from the beginning, watch all of them, or who knows, maybe just start with this one. I'm not your boss, but I recommend going in knowing what happened in the other ones. This is my pick of the week. This is also a good movie for Halloween, because for years the Saw series owned Halloween. Every Halloween a Saw movie came out, and every Halloween it did the best. It's time for Saw to take its place back. Welcome back, John Kramer. Jigsaw. It's an eight out of 11. And with that, my future friends, it is time for last week's question of the week, which has to do with, of course, Halloween. And that was, what is your go-to Halloween movie? What is your must-watch Halloween movie? And you know what? The Somewhat Nerdy website did a nerd talk on that, so keep your eyes open for that. It should be posting in the next day or two, if not even the day this is posted. But let's start with the first answer we got is from Herc, Somewhat Nerdy's own Herc, he said, Ernest Scared Stupid, but this year I'm sticking with the somewhat nerdy radio 13 Nights of Halloween. So tonight is 13 Ghosts. And that's something I forgot to mention in the opening. I feel really bad I did because the somewhat nerdy radio podcast had a 13 Nights of Halloween episode and it's really good. Of course, all of their episodes are really good. That's why I'm not doing a full Halloween episode or I don't feel the need to because they did one for me and they have a lot of good suggestions for movies to watch for Halloween. That's not too late to catch up. So check that out. We turn to Twitter next. Dan from the Uncork Gamer says, don't really have one, but if I did, it would either be Evil Dead 2, Ghostbusters, or Shaun of the Dead. All great movies. And I remember the first time I watched Evil Dead 2 was with Dan because uh, it was, oh, we weren't in high school anymore. So it was early, early to mid college for me. And they had found out that my group of friends then had found out that I had never watched the Evil Dead series. So we rented all of them and went to one of their houses, I forgot who, and we watched them all. We stayed up all night, watched all the movies, and then played video games. And it was a really good time, and that's why I fell in love with the series. And that brings us to our final answer from AJ, who says, Ghost Ship and 13 Ghosts. Two of my favorite ghost movies. Ghost Ship I was actually introduced to by him. I'd never heard of the movie until he introduced it to me, but 13 Ghosts was one I stumbled upon one day at, I believe it was Suncoast. That's how long ago this was. The DVD at Suncoast, and I just thought, why not? I bought it, watched it, and really liked it. It's a cheesy movie. So is Ghost Ship. They're both really cheesy, but they're just fun and really enjoyable. And it's time for me to answer, what is my go-to Halloween movie? And for that, I say, check out the Somewhat Nerdy Nerd Talk on the Somewhat Nerdy website. My answer is there. Am I a cheap bitch? I think so. But let's come up with a question for next week and jump into the very small talk I want to do about Halloween, or Halloween movies, that is. And the question for next week is two parts. What is your favorite and least favorite Coen Brothers movie? Maybe you don't have a least favorite, so you don't have to answer that part. Maybe you don't have a favorite, so you don't have to answer that part. But tell me, what is your favorite and least favorite Coen Brothers movie? And really quick, I want to tell you what's on my 
movie list this Halloween. And this Halloween, I plan to watch The Houses That October Built. It is a horror movie on, I believe it's on Netflix. I talked about the sequel not too long ago, a couple episodes ago, I, I mentioned it. This movie is about a group of people who are making a documentary on haunted houses. Not real haunted houses, mind you, but haunted houses that people put on. You pay money, you go in there to get scared, and they're looking for the scariest one, and the trouble is they don't find one until they're invited to one in the middle of nowhere. And of course, that's a good idea, right? Let's go to this middle of nowhere haunted house where they get chased around and just overall f with by these terrifying people in masks. This is a really creepy movie from 2014. It's worth a watch, especially because it's on Netflix and you don't have to pay for it. Yay! Next movie on the list is a classic. It's Adam's Family. While the movie doesn't actually take place during Halloween, but this is time for creepy movies. And the Addams Family, they're creepy, but they're also kooky. And I heard that they're mysterious and spooky and also altogether ooky. Of course, that's just what I heard. That's, that's the word on the streets. The next movie I want to be sure to check out and that I recommend you put on your list too is 1922. It's a Netflix original movie based on a novel by Stephen King. And it's about this farmer who convinces his son to murder his wife because the wife wants to move away from the rural area they live in and into the big city and wants to take the kid with them. And the kid loves the farm too. So the dad's like, hey, we got to kill your mom. So they do it, hide her body. And then things go well for a while until weird stuff starts happening and basically she's haunting them. So it's like a combination of Telltale Heart where they keep on being bothered by what they did, but they're being actually bothered by ghosts. And the final movie that's for sure on my list, I may add like The Cult of Chucky to it and a couple other things. But the last movie that I know I want to watch is called Train to Busan. I've talked about this before. I talked about it on the show. I really wanted to see it. This is a Korean movie about a zombie outbreak that happens while all these passengers are on a train. So they're trying to survive on this train that's going from Seoul to Busan. And this guy wants to get to his family and he has to survive first. Those are four movies I highly suggest you guys put on your list, at least one of them. If, you've ha if you haven't seen any of those, definitely put them on your list. Because remember, this is a season where we're a little more forgiving of cheesy movies, of maybe even bad movies, and we watch it just to get into the spirit. And what helps you get into the spirit more than horror or just something overall dark like The Addams Family? And not dark as in content, but dark as in tone. So those are my movies that I'm going to put on my Halloween movie marathon list. What's on yours? I asked you what's your go-to movie, but what's on your Halloween marathon list? Let me know. Let me know what movies you watched this year. I really want to know. So let's finish this episode up as we always do with the housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. We've had more five-star ratings recently. I really appreciate it. We need more. We strive for as many as we can get to help the podcast and the entire network grow. Always leave a comment. Tell me what you thought of the show. Tell me what you think I'm doing right. Tell me what you think I need to improve on. And then how do you reach me? That's a great question. You can hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN, Instagram at BilliamSWN. 
You can leave a comment on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud or email me, billionreviews at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Don't forget the Watch Your Mouth podcast. They're back for their 11th season. I'm sorry, their 11th semester. Don't forget that Uncorked Gamers is a good friend of the show and a show I used to be on. I hope to be on it again, but this new schedule I have prevents me from doing anything on Tuesdays. Also, remember to check out Big D, the movie hunter on YouTube. He has just done a review of the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, and he always talks about what movies he's found on his hunting trips. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy, signing off. I'll see you in the future, and happy Halloween.